Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to episode 20. We are back this week, and it is we. So I'm back and Pam is back. Her voice is partially recovered. We're gonna see how we go. And today's episode, we are talking about neurodiversity. So this week is Neurodiversity Celebration Week. And we have produced this episode, which is job search tips for neurodiverse job seekers. And this episode came about because I had a conversation a few weeks ago with someone who was asking for tips for a family member who is neurodiverse. If you're not aware of what neurodiversity is, this is a whole range of different ways that people's brains work. So things like ADHD, the autistic spectrum, dyslexia, dyspraxia, there's a whole range of different ways that people's brains work. And neurodiversity is the overarching term that covers those various different things. So we felt that this would be hopefully a really practical and helpful episode for people who are neurodiverse and who are job seeking, because It doesn't feel like there's much advice and support out there specifically for you if that's the situation that you're in. So Pam, is this something that has come up for you quite a bit with clients? Do you work with neurodiverse clients quite often or is this comparatively rare? Yeah, I work with lots and lots of neurodiverse clients and I think the key thing for me is to help them create a level playing field. So when they are going into the recruitment process, it's about what do they need to do? How do they need to present themselves so that they get the equal opportunities and also they get the support that they need throughout that process as well. So if we think about the start of that recruitment process and what that looks like, usually that is a CV or an application form. And that was where the conversation that I had started, because this person was asking on behalf of their family member, should they put it on their CV? And my response to that was, do you know what? It pains me to say it because you should be able to put it on the CV. But actually, my advice was no. So are you in agreement with that? What's your thoughts around whether you put that on the CV or not? So I think in terms of whether you should put it on or not, my answer is usually no with that. But there are some situations whereby companies might specifically ask you to disclose that upfront. So you never want to be dishonest or you never want to hide the truth, but you want to be as transparent as possible. But in terms of sending in a CV into the recruitment process as it stands today, you are better not putting it on so that you don't create any unconscious bias around your condition or your skills and abilities. So what you want to do is create that level playing field, send in your CV that details all of the skills and experience that you've got, 
and then let them make the decision based on your skills and experience whether they want to take you to the next stage. And I think that was my kind of thought process when I gave that advice because neurodiversity is a relatively new term. So when I was employed, when I was a hiring manager, when I was working within HR, L&D, operations teams, I hadn't even heard of the term. It wasn't until I started coaching a few years ago that I even came across the term. And it feels that there is more awareness being created, but equally, I think there's still a lot of judgments, assumptions, bias that can happen around different forms. So people will instinctively have an assumption or a picture in their mind or views when they hear terms like ADHD, for example, autism, autistic spectrum, Asperger's, dyslexia. Like you say, unconscious bias. So at a subconscious level, people will have assumptions about what that means, about perhaps that person's personality, about how they operate, about their skill set and their capabilities. So if that's the case, then do you feel that people should disclose it at some point within recruitment process? Or is that something to keep hidden? What's your guidance for neurodiverse clients of yours? So what I always say is once you get into the process, once you've been selected, you want to make sure that you're going through the rest of that process feeling comfortable and that the company are making any reasonable adjustments that you require to make you comfortable and to allow you to shine in that situation as well. So I think the key thing to think about is as you're going through that process, you need to use your own judgment and you need to think about as you go through each step and through each stage, at this point in the process, would it benefit the company knowing? And if you are going into an interview and you don't know what you're going into, for example, if you're not able to con- concentrate in a noisy environment and you're going to go into an office and your interview is going to be, you know, in a cordoned off area at the back of the office, that might mean that you can't concentrate as well as you could if it was an enclosed office in a quiet space. So you probably would need to ask questions. You're the only person that knows what you need in order to shine in those situations. Everybody's going to go into them situations nervous. But if you've got additional needs or if you've got things, reasonable adjustments that that they can make to help you feel more comfortable in that environment, in that situation, then you definitely need to, to think about what that looks like for you, but also start to think about how you communicate that to the employer or to the interviewers as well. And I think that's so important. And it's interesting because I have leadership coaching clients who are managing people who are often late diagnosed with a neurodiversity. So they, for example, might have been recently diagnosed with ADHD and they'll kind of question like, oh, what should I do? How should I manage this person? What's the situation? Or they might describe a challenge that they're having. And in my head, I might be thinking that sounds as if that person potentially could be neurodiverse. And so what I'll often say is have that conversation with that person, ask them, understand from them, how does this play out for them? And what are the challenges associated? But also neurodiversity brings with it typically a number of strengths and a number of areas where 
people will shine specifically because their brain works differently to a neurotypical person. And so I think that self-awareness for the candidates as they're going through that process of what do I need to be at my best? What are the strengths that I bring when I'm at my best? And what are some of the challenges that I might face? And thinking that ahead before they go into a recruitment process will make such a difference. Yeah. And I think as well, there is a lot more awareness around at the moment. But what you've still got to think about is that not every single employer, every single leader, every single hiring manager is going to have received training to support neurodiverse people within the workforce. And while I'm not going to suggest it's your job to go and educate them people, it is up to you to make sure that you've got what you need, what you know, what you need to help you get through that process and to be able to demonstrate what you can deliver for that company in the role that you're applying for. And I think if you can let them know, so, you know, you should always go with the solutions. So if you know you need a quiet room, for example, you can ask the question, you can let them know at the point where they invite you for interview, you can ask them for the details around the interview, where will it be held? You can ask them for the information. Now, if they, if they're quite vague with that information, at that point, you might want to just mention and then let them know what it is that you need in order to feel comfortable in that situation. And most employers and interviews will be really grateful for that information. And it won't be held against you because you've gone to them and you've let them know exactly what you need and you know how they can make that happen for you. It's a reasonable adjustment. And most employers anyway, we'll ask you what reasonable adjustments do we need to make for you? Should you have any conditions or disabilities? They should always ask that anyway. Where they don't, then you want to take the lead on that because it is about being assertive and about making sure that you're comfortable in those situations. And I think the more that you can be open as you go further through that process, and I think you're absolutely right, there probably isn't enough training and I feel that is starting to improve. But there isn't enough training for hiring managers. There isn't enough awareness and understanding of how those things play out and what strengths and challenges are typical and what they may range. And because everybody is individual, even if there is that awareness, that still doesn't mean they know what your experience of being neurodivergent is and how that will benefit their business. And I think one of the things I said in in the conversation that I was having with the person that I spoke to was, so in that situation, their family member was dyslexic and they were considering whether or not to put that on their CV. And my point was for the CV, exactly as we've said, don't put it on. But I said, actually, if you're talking about being dyslexic in interviews, it's not going to be too long before the person on the other side of the desk is like, yep, I am too. There are an awful lot of people out there who are neurodivergent themselves. And I think when you're in the job search process, it's easy to feel on the back foot and feel that almost that's problematic and people are going to have assumptions that it's a negative thing. But equally, there are an awful lot of people out there in workplaces, a lot of hiring managers, a lot of people who are aware of some of the strengths and where having that open conversation can be a point of connection and kind of we can have a really open conversation about that. Yeah, and I think when we start having more of these open conversations, that's when things start to change because 
the more awareness that we can raise in these situations, the easier it's going to get for people to go through the recruitment process, to tackle those first 90 days in a new job and so on. It is about raising the awareness. It is about having the open conversations and it is about recognizing the difficulties that people can have if they are neurodiverse in the recruitment process and how the recruitment process can be quite biased. And th there's so many different things that we've been taught to believe about different conditions that at the moment people do have that fear of going into the process because they feel like it's just me and everybody else is going to be neurotypical in that situation. And like you say, you know, it, it won't be long until you are sitting across the table and someone else is saying, oh, yeah, I also have ADHD. There's a lot of people at the moment who are starting on their journey to be diagnosed, who have at this point self-diagnosed and understand what it means or how it can feel to be neurodiverse. So I think the more open conversations that we have, the easier it's going to be for people, the easier it's going to be for people to move jobs and to, to really get those dream jobs as well and not feel like they can't because they're being held back by a condition that is out of their control. And it is about leaning into those strengths and thinking, okay, what do I bring to the role and where do I need support and what does that look like and how do I communicate that? And it is just a case of getting that clear in your mind so that you can communicate it easily and it will make all of the difference and it will give you confidence in that recruitment process as well. And I think one of the things that I suggest is to really reflect, and we've spoken on previous episodes about your kind of career map process and the importance of understanding your previous strengths and achievements from previous roles. And I think from an, if you're neurodiverse and you're going through that process and preparing yourself for interview, one of the things that can be really helpful is to reflect on how have I successfully adapted and coped with some of the challenges that my neurodiversity brings? Have there been tools that I've put in place that have allowed me to operate successfully? Have there been ways that I've organized myself in terms of how I work that have allowed me to be successful? And what you'll find is inevitably you will have a number of tools, a number of coping strategies that you will have successfully used in previous roles. And I think that can form a really useful part of the interview conversation to be, like you say, quite upfront, but to be able to talk. Because I think it's important for potential employers to realize how simple some of those adjustments can be. And I think if you've got, if you're bringing that from previously, and you've done that successfully before, then that can be really useful to be able to share some of that stuff at interview. And it speaks really well of you that you're showing that, like you say, showing that initiative. Yeah. And I think once you get all of that stuff clear in your mind, it's a lot easier to communicate it. And once you do get in to the recruitment process, at the end of the day, most recruitment processes are set up for neurotypical people. And that is, that is the way that it is right now. And companies are making a huge effort to change that and to be more inclusive. But even neurotypical people can find the whole process daunting and, and a little bit scary and find it difficult to communicate how they're feeling in that process and also articulate their skills and experience as well. It's very much set up to the whole interview process, I think, as time goes on, we're going to see some huge changes 
in interview processes because the standard and traditional interview processes in a lot of cases don't get the best from people and don't allow people to really showcase what they can bring, especially if they struggle with communication or just simply communicating their skills and experience in a way that that provides that depth of answer that shows what they can bring to the company. It, there is there's a whole range of things at play when it comes to interviewing anyway. So I think the key thing is to go into that process and think about the adjustments and you could get more time to complete an assessment. You might be able to get the interview questions in advance. So now most recruiters are advising employers that providing the interview questions in advance for for neurodiverse people is best practice. And there's a lot of that on the internet as well. So you can Google that as well because there might be some additional things that, you know, will work really well for you. You might be able to ask them to adapt the interview questions so that there's no complex concept so that it's really, really clear and concise and you can understand those questions in more detail. In some cases, they might even swap an interview for a work trial. They also might think about the environment that they're going to sit you in. So as I said earlier, if the interviews were planning on being at the back of a cordoned off office where it's really noisy or next to the canteen where the door's shutting and it's people are in and out and things like that. They might want to put, create those interviews in a quieter space. And also there might be some technology that you use that make things easier for you. And you can then share that information. There's a whole range of things and that's just, that is just five or six things that you could do to make sure that you're feeling more comfortable in that interview situation and really simple things that an employer can can adjust and can provide for you to make your life easier yeah I'm just reflecting as you're talking through those both of us have done a huge amount of recruitment over the course of our career and I'm just reflecting back on some of the things that I've asked of people and thinking there must have been neurodiverse candidates and some of the things that I've asked or some of the ways that I've assessed some of the tasks or um, exercises that I've set potentially would have been more of a challenge for people who are neurodiverse and if I'd known then what I know now there definitely would have been adaptations that I would have been more than happy to make and even really simple things so it's not unusual if you go for a management you know or, or leadership role to have some form of on-site, on-the-day assessment, whether that's an online assessment, whether you're given some information and you've got to review and then communicate it, whether you're asked to do a short presentation, that kind of thing. And I think things like that, for example, if spelling or numbers are a challenge and you normally, in a regular situation, would spend longer or you would use specific tools so for example people that are dyslexic often might use spell check read aloud grammarly tools like that when they're doing written work and actually simple things like that if you know that and you're set the task even if it's on the day as part of the recruitment even if you haven't talked about it previously then actually being honest about okay normally if I were doing that then I would do this then actually, even in the moment, the recruiter can then, the hiring manager can then either give a bit longer, allow a different mechanism, or take that awareness and understanding 
into account when they're comparing what you're able to produce in the same time as somebody else, for example. So I think the more that awareness grows and the more that neurodiverse candidates are open and share some of that as part of it, I think there can be an assumption that it will go against you. And I think that really isn't the case. I think forward thinking employers and hiring managers want talent for their teams. They want the best people. And if you know yourself and know how you can contribute and you can articulate that, then actually stuff that might be a challenge for you, but isn't for other people is more than compensated by things that you can contribute that other people can't contribute. Yeah. And I think as well, and when it comes down to so a client this week, was talking to me around being absolutely petrified on answering the strengths and weaknesses question at an interview because they are neurodiverse and they didn't want to disadvantage themselves in that situation. And I think there's a real advantage there in answering that question because you can you can talk about the top three things that you can bring to that company, that you can bring to that role from a strengths point of view. You know what you do well. If you're somebody that concentrates for long periods of time, you know, that could be a real benefit and bonus for an organization, depending on the job role. It, there'll be a number of things that you know that you do really well, and you can really highlight them and be excited about them things and know that as part of my skills and experience, this is what I bring. This is what I'm all about. This is where I'm really strong. And this is how I think I'll benefit your team. And then from a weaknesses perspective, while it's probably like the worst interview question ever, like I really dislike the strengths and weaknesses question because I don't you know people are always worried about what they talk about as a weakness but I think in terms of being neurodiverse you can use this to your advantage because you could say anything that you do deem to be a weakness as part of your condition then you can say but this is how I manage it this is how I get around it and this is it doesn't actually hold me back day to day and you can use that then to your advantage because when you're talking about weaknesses, things that you're affected by, it's not necessarily a weakness. It's just your brain works differently. But if you can demonstrate how you overcome that, then that really shows strength of character and will come across really well to an employer. So a great example of that, and it was one that I shared with the person I'd had the conversation with. So their family member was dyslexic wanted to be, still does want to be a writer, which typically you can see why they would be apprehensive because the assumptions might be your spelling, your grammar isn't going to be great. How can you be a writer? And I shared there was an article about A.A. Gill, the writer, columnist. And when he used to do his columns, he was, had columns in national newspapers for donkey's years before he died. And he used to do his column by dictating it and somebody would type it up and then phone him back and read it back to him. And then he would make tweaks to how it needed to sound. So it's possible they wouldn't have got that talent. And he was really well known for having a very specific tone and all of that. And if they'd have rejected him as a writer because he didn't write in the same typical way that other people did, they would have lost all of that talent. So I think it's really important for people who are approaching roles to look at that and think, you know, absolutely, I have something to contribute here and not let that get in the way of applying for jobs that you really want or assume that you won't get them because 
when you've got workarounds, you absolutely can make that contribution and you can manage in the knowledge of what the challenges might be and find ways to work around it. Yeah, definitely. And that is the thing. It is about just having that level of self-awareness so that you're not letting anything hold you back. Because once you understand the best way to manage that and the best way for you to receive the support, then, you know, you, you've got no limitations because all you need to do is go into that process, ask for what you need and demonstrate what you bring. So it just makes it so much easier and it takes away, there's no ceiling point on your career because you're neurodiverse. You can do whatever you want to do. You just need to create that plan and start working towards it and go through the process. The process might seem a little bit more difficult, but the more times you go through the interview process, the easier it's going to be, the easier it's going to be to articulate your experience and also to be able to articulate the support and the adjustments that you need to make you more comfortable as well. Absolutely. And I think if there was one thing for all candidates that makes life easier for recruiters and hiring managers, it's self-awareness. And when people know their strengths and can articulate them, and when they know what challenges they might face within a role and they can articulate how they can work with that, then you make it so much easier for recruiters to make the decision and to recognize and to kind of imagine you in that role, doing that role, making that contribution that you're talking about. So yeah, as tough as it might feel, I think keeping, encouraging yourself and really working to maintain your confidence and keep yourself going and not assume that things will go badly because you're neurodiverse, but actually to assume, do you know what, this could well be a great opportunity and this person is going to be really open to it and go with that mindset that it's more likely to go well, then you're more likely to make it go well. Yeah. And I think as well, one of the key things that I, this is what I say to everybody in the job search process and the recruitment process, like rejection is a normal part of that. You're not going to get every single job that you go for. Some people might do, but it's very rare. And even with your applications, there's always going to be some kinds of rejection. A lot of people take that really personally. And if there are other things going on for them, then they can just make that assumption in their own mind that it's because of X, Y, or Z. And I think what I just want to say to people is rejection is a normal and natural part of the job search process. So if you are hitting, if you are facing rejection, if you are hitting brick walls, you know, what it's usually down to is how you are marketing yourself in terms of what you're putting on your CV, what are you writing on application forms in terms of what skills and experience you bring rather than it being anything else. Just accepting that rejection is part of the process. And if the, if you do keep hitting those barriers, then going back and looking at what information you've got on your CV and your application form before you start thinking that it's anything else and allowing that to knock your confidence as well. Yeah, perfect. So in summary then, don't generally put it on your CV. Do be prepared to discuss it and talk about it as part of that recruitment process and consider when might be the right time. So if it's that you might need adjustments during an interview process, then potentially you might do it sooner, but otherwise at recruitment, at interview, and to consider and think about your strengths and what you bring and how you already have strategies for adjustments or coping with any of the challenges that are associated with your neurodiversity 
would be the kind of the key advice that we'd share. Is there anything else before we wrap up or does that pretty much cover it? I think we've pretty much covered it, haven't we? But if anybody is struggling with the recruitment process or the job search process generally, then do get in touch with us because there might just be some quick tips that we can give you to make that process easier for you. And if you are looking for a coach who is experienced in working with neurodiverse candidates in the recruitment process, then both, both me and Jackie are here. And all you need to do is get in touch and we will be happy to help. So thank you for listening. If there is anything that you would like us to cover on future episodes, then please do message us and let us know. This one came about, as I said, just because of a chance conversation, some advice that somebody asked us for. And we love making sure that the stuff that we're recording is hitting the topics that you want to hear about. So please, again, do get in touch, message us. We're on LinkedIn and our profiles are linked in the show notes. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening and catch you next time.